0: Corteva agri provides cutting-edge solutions for farmers worldwide. Learn more at Corteva.com.
1: Today on Ag News Daily.
2: Yeah, Tanner, the big announcement today is that we have uh, announced a collaboration, collaboration with nutrient ag solutions one of the largest retailers um, you know, throughout North.
1: Listeners, Thursday the 13th, which is a little better than it being Friday, for maybe the only occasion possible, Tanner and Delaney here to bring you the latest headlines before a good conversation today, and the episode's brought to you by Corteva. Delaney, are you superstistic? Super? Oh, what, what word am I looking for here? <laughs> Superstitious?
3: Superstitious.
1: Yeah, so would you be superstistic?
3: <laughs> good try. Still not the right word, and no.
1: So you don't care if it's Friday the 13th?
3: No. Do you? Well,
1: I I don't know, but I seem to always notice it when it is.
3: Okay. Well, you can call it out for our listeners when you notice. Superstitious. Let's maybe practice that word next time.
1: Well, I I knew what superstitious is, but what's the act of being superstitious? Just superstitious?
3: I think it's just the same word.
1: It's like moose?
3: (laughs) Yes, I think that's right
1: all right well that's enough of that for our listeners we are still looking at chances of rain here in the midwest parts of central and northern iowa could see strong winds and maybe hail storms are likely to linger through tomorrow evening popping up throughout most of the midwest we still have dangerously hot conditions in the south oklahoma could see extreme heat indexes today of over 112 degrees again remember extreme heat and humidity will significantly increase the potential for heat-related illnesses, especially if you are working outdoors.
3: And it'll also uh, definitely require the chance of rain, Tanner, but I don't know the forecast this weekend. I don't think we're looking too wet, at least here in central Iowa.
1: No, everything seems to be pop-up just due to where the stream is coming through, but uh, nothing substantial.
3: Nothing substantial, that's for sure. Tanner, we got news late yesterday afternoon that Syngenta has announced that the EPA has registered the brand's latest residual corn herbicide. Storin combines four active ingredients that help with a variety of different weeds to tackle those, including uh, some pre-emergence weeds such as palmer amaranth and water Hemp, were able to be controlled through this program. They said, in fact, they surveyed pre-emergence corn herbicide users, and 40% of those surveyed said that those were specifically difficult to control currently with their program, and that is why they have invested in this new line, Storin Corn Herbicide, to help restore confidence in growers we control. Storin is labeled for pre-emergence and post-emergence in field and seed corn, Tanner, and, uh, Although water hemp and palmer amaranth were two of the species they hoped to help control, this herbicide offers partial or full control for more than 74 different weed species.
1: That's right. Well, I've uh, been in a couple of fields today to where those producers would probably appreciate some new technology on their side. JR Simplot a company will pay $1.5 million fine and take steps to better recover and reuse phosphate at its fertilizer plant facility in Idaho. According to the complaint filed at the U.S. District Court, the complaint was stated here, J.R. Simplot failed to properly identify and manage certain waste streams coming out of their plant. The Associate Director of Global Communications said there's more than 500 pages in this settlement and more than 15 years of archived information. The settlement is part of their work to continue to provide important crop nutrients throughout North America, and help feed the growing population the dawn plant manufacturer produces phosphate for ag and other industries including phosphoric acid and phosphate fertilizer through the processes that generate large quantities of acidic water and solid material called phosphogypsum this is deposited into a large pile and unfortunately can be exposed to outside elements the Part of the settlement, JR Simplot agrees to undertake about $150 million in specific waste management measures that include new technology to recover and reuse the runoffs. So we'll see what types of advancements happen as far as that goes. Plus, they have to put $200,000 into mitigation work annually to continue to monitor this going forward.
3: Both Inner Cargill and John Deere have announced a collaborative partnership to streamline some digital and infield data For farmers using Cargill's services. With the collaboration, farmers will now be able to enroll in Cargill's Regen Connect program and manage that field data directly through the John Deere Operations Center. Now, in its third year of operation, Cargill Regen Connect, Tanner, I'm not familiar with this program. I don't know if you are, but it's intended to provide farmers a financial incentive for positive environmental outcomes through the adoption of regenerative agricultural practices while helping to improve soil health and decarbonize the agricultural supply chain. Some of those program highlights include payments for soil carbon sequestered, a choice of regenerative practices to adopt, including zero tillage, reduced tillage, and cover crops, a self-service online platform, support from one of Cargill's conservation agronomists, and a range of partners to help identify financing options and offer further agronomic advice. As part of this new partnership there, Uh, enrollment for the 2023 Cargill Regen Connect program is now open through September 15th. And if you are a John Deere user, maybe now this has a little more appeal to you.
1: That's interesting. There's lots of technology coming through John Deere's Ops Center as they're trying to connect the agricultural industry. Ethanol output dropped to the lowest level last month. lowest level in a month last week, but inventories went up. So uh, production for the biofuel declined to an average of 1.032 million barrels per day. That ended in that week, July 7th. That's down from 1.06. So just a slight drop off. Again, the Midwest was by far the biggest producing region with 970,000 barrels per day. The inventories rose to 22.658 million barrels in the last seven days. That's up from 22.26. So that was a pretty good jump in the ethanol stock piles. But Delaney, it's ice cream month. I don't know if you realize July marks the start of National Ice Cream Month. Ice cream, you scream. We all scream for Agnews Daily. That was a very, <laughs> very poor attempt. But Scalaroo. Has analyzed all consumers, at least a majority, to try and get a state by state favorite flavor of ice cream. So I'm gonna quiz you here for a little bit. How many pounds of ice cream does the average American consume?
3: Well, I've cheated because I've looked at this article this morning too, but I was shocked by this number.
1: It's 12. That's correct. And you obviously then see that chocolate was voted the favorite flavor in 23 different states. And of course, it's not going to be any fun now to test you what Iowa's number one flavor I haven't
3: looked at Iowa's yet, to be honest with you. Okay.
1: So do you think Iowa falls in the 23 chocolate states or something different?
3: I'm going to say Iowa falls in a chocolate state.
1: Chocolate is number two. My favorite ice cream, cookie dough, is number one.
3: Okay. That's my husband's as well. So that makes sense. Stanner, July 16th is officially National Ice Cream Day. So I think we better have some ice cream to celebrate.
1: On Sunday? Yeah. Special Agnes Daily episode, eating I ice don't cream. Know.
3: That could be interesting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's funny. But yes, you got any more headlines before I jump into Russia and Ukraine?
3: I have one other headline here related to a story coming out of Kansas as a Kansas state senator, Senator Dennis Pyle, and a neighboring farmer are in quite the debacle, Tanner, it seems. Uh, this The court case was now taken at the Kansas Supreme Court level, and they have recently reversed a decision that the Kansas Court of Appeals decided in a protracted land dispute involving State Senator Pyle and a neighboring farmer that pivoted on access to crop fields in Northeast Kansas. The case says that Senator Pyle uh, did not have permission from his neighboring farmer and Senator Pyle wanted to drive farm equipment and other vehicles across a thin strip of his neighbor's land to access a field owned by Pyle. And his neighbor was not very happy about that, did not want him to access that strip of land. And so now they've been battling it out in court, Tanner. But Senator Pyle has been in the Kansas State Senate since 2005 and was stripped of committee assignments in 2022 for not voting for the GOP's majority redistricting map, and mounted an unsuccessful independent campaign for governor in November. So maybe he's just feeling a little upset about some of those other things as well, but this certainly doesn't (laughs) sound like so far it is going his way.
1: No, that's uh, not. And for a simple easement, of course, we all know that there are neighbors that are not our favorite. Maybe this is just one of those Incidences. We now see a Russian Navy ship being docked in Cuba as tough times bring the old friends back together. After a series of welcomed cannon blasts, the at the Colonial Fort, the Russians Navy training class ship Perkop sailed into Havana on Tuesday. While Cuba will be sitting there for a four day visit, the sailors will carry out a wide range of activities, according to the Cuba state run news service. Members of Cuban public service will also be given the opportunity to tour the ship. This is the first official visit by Russia to Cuba in years, another sign of reforging a Cold War era relationship. Meanwhile, senior Russian general says that he was fired after accusing military leaders of betraying the troops and stated that he will now side with the Wagner group who is resting for now, but may have future obligations. Ukrainian officials are stating that one person in Kiev died early this morning after air defense intercepted Russian drones the third night in a row for the airstrikes on the capital city. Ukraine has received controversial cluster munitions that the U.S. said they were going to send. Those are now in the hands of Ukrainian commanders and can be put to work following a high-stakes NATO summit U.S. Secretary of Defense said that they have no doubt Ukraine will become a part of their alliance after the war with Russia ends. Meanwhile, President Joe Biden is in Finland for security talks with other Nordic leaders. We'll continue to take an eye or keep our eye on what's going on there, but it doesn't seem like the news will stop anytime soon.
3: We've also got an official word that the United Nations Secretary General... Gutierrez has proposed to Russian President Putin that they extend the Black Sea grain deal in exchange for connecting a subsidiary of Russia's agricultural bank, the SWIFT bank, uh, to European Union banks. However, the EU is considering connecting a subsidiary of SWIFT to allow only grain and fertilizer transactions to go through this. But it sounds like a few concessions are being made to try to get this deal done here last minute, Tanner.
1: Yeah, it's uh, certainly pushing the deadline.
3: It certainly is. And speaking of pushing the deadline, we finally, after years, literally, in office, Biden administration has confirmed their second in command at the USDA, serving under Secretary Vilsack. By more than a 10 to 1 margin, senators finally have confirmed Ms. Torres Small, the granddaughter of a migrant farm worker. Uh, As the number two for USDA's post, as she now serves as the deputy undersecretary, just directly under Secretary Vilsack. Senators approved the nomination on an 84 to 8 roll call after a few minutes of discussion. But sounds like it was pretty much all in vote there, Tanner. And she's been serving as the undersecretary for rural development for nearly two years. And she now gets a big promotion.
1: Yeah, that's a great news for her as far as that goes. We'll continue to see where news comes for the rest of the week, but it's probably time to jump into markets. And makes you wonder, Delaney, have we put in our highs for the year?
3: Well, I don't think that we're there yet because after yesterday's WISE report, we're trading back higher here in the overnights. September corn up 3 cents at 479 and a quarter, DS new crop corn added 3 pennies in the overnight at 486 and 3 quarters. August soybean's up 22 and a half cents at 1466 and 3 quarters. New crop beans up 20 and 3 quarter cents at 1348. In the wheat pits, September hard red winter wheat up a half a cent at 803 and a half, heading into the opening session and a quick reminder at where livestock markets closed yesterday. At the midday when we recorded, Tanner Markets were trading pretty positively, but they could not pull through. August Live Cattle shed $1.95 to close at $1.76.87. August Feeder Cattle shed $0.57 to close at $2.46.57. And August Lean Hogs lost $2.22.5 to close the day out at $95.35. For today's interview, Tanner, we are talking about some interesting technology and an interview you and jennifer recorded earlier this week with zcal
0: at corteva agriscience we believe that when we work together we grow together we believe innovative agriculture solutions are found in the lab and in the field applying real insights from farmers with our global r d knowledge to create a strong suite of innovations across seed and crop protection We believe in constantly challenging ourselves on how to bring all of our solutions together, giving farmers the tools to address today's needs and tomorrow's challenges. We believe in what we do because we believe in what farmers do, and together we thrive. Corteva Agriscience, keep growing.
1: Listeners, this is going to be new and exciting. It's always fun to be on the forefront of some of the latest technology in agriculture. It's our pleasure today to have Han Chen here, the CEO and co-founder of ZCal. Welcome to the podcast, Han.
2: Thank you, Tanner. Pleasure being here.
1: So let's first start off and give our listeners a little bit of background of to who you are, and then we'll jump into what we're going to talk about today.
2: Sure. So um, my name is Han Chen. I'm the CEO of ZCal. We are a plant science company based here in San Diego, but with operations really all over the world. And we are currently pioneering a photosynthesis technology called Photoseed to increase carbon capture and light harvesting in plants. And our first uh, product is focused on soybeans, and we hope to talk to you a little little bit more about our nutrient-dense, high-carbon capture soybeans today.
1: That is great. So how long has ZCal been around?
2: So we raised our first round of financing in 2013, but our history goes a little bit beyond that. Um, as a former venture capitalist, I had the pleasure of working with the New Zealand government where we were looking to incubate technologies from basic research out of uh, New Zealand's publicly funded research centers. And through a science by serendipity exercise, we had discovered that we had changed photosynthesis in a crop called perennial ryegrass and we, when we saw that we had changed the basic uh, metabolic function of plants, that's when we decided to form Zcal and that's when we started developing the technology in soybeans.
3: And so you say you've been around since 2013 and you started a little bit before. What does Zcal look like over the time between these 10 years now, I guess, since you've been around?
2: Well, that's a great uh, question, Jennifer, and I think anyone that's in agriculture knows that our innovation uh, life cycles can't be quite long, so 10 years sometimes feels like a lifetime, but in the scheme of ag, it's also quite a short blip. Um, when we started out, you know, our primary focus was on technology innovation. How could we get these genes to work in soybeans as well as we saw them in other crops? So the first few years were really focused on what I'll call genetic optimization, getting that balance just right, kind of like Goldilocks, in order for us to achieve the same performance um, in soybeans as we saw in other crops. And I guess we were surprised a few years back in that the photosynthesis uh, improvement was manifesting in soybeans in a very unique way. The extra carbon capture was translating into better nutrient density. And what I mean by that is we were able to increase both the protein and the oil content in soybeans without losing field yields. And that kind of shifted our focus significantly because what we had previously thought was going to be a yield trait ended up being a nutritional density trait. And as we kind of went through our evolution and journey, what we discovered was that, you know, the need for nutrient-dense, more sustainable soy – was definitely on everyone's mind throughout the value chain. People wanted more oil. People wanted us to restore protein density. But our supply chain was very fragmented. So kind of over the past three years, we've been focused on how do we align the supply chain and our partnerships in order to ultimately realize and share the value of these genetics so that they can get in the hands of growers and ultimately benefit consumers at the end.
1: It clearly has been a focus and I like the comment that you put in there about without giving up field yield, because I know a lot of our listeners have tried to grow various hybrids, obviously focusing on, you know, maximizing return on their investment for each crop year. So that's a huge step forward. But what are the big announcements coming forth today and what our listeners can look forward to here in the early future?
2: Yeah, Tanner, the big announcement today is that we have, uh, announced a collabor- collaboration with Nutrient Ag Solutions, one of the largest retailers. Um, you know, throughout North America. So if our listeners have been following us over the past few years, they'll see that uh Z-Cow has set up a number of collaborations in order to make sure that this product gets to market with all the support of agronomic solutions and an end market for growers so that we're really providing a comprehensive uh, offering when we go out there beyond just the novel genetics of the seed. So we started off with um, the announcement that we were Uh, partnering with Purdue Agribusiness and their desire for a more nutrient-dense bean um, throughout the East Coast. Uh, What's driving Purdue's interest is obviously, you know, improved processing margins on the oil side but also you know, to restore that protein level in the soybean meal that's been declining over the past decade. The latest announcement with Nutrient really adds to the robustness of the collaborations we've already been forming as Nutrient will now also be able to offer growers the agronomic services and advice that they've kind of become accustomed to, but also importantly to make sure that we have the right agronomic and crop protection solutions tied to the seed so that we can really protect the yield and yield potential uh, within our genetics.
1: So a strong portion of our listeners are here in the Midwest. I know the partnership that you um, mentioned with Purdue is more coastal. What types of opportunities are there for growers in the center part of the country?
2: Tanner, that's a great question. And um, our goal ultimately is to benefit all U.S. farmers. Um, The the key here is that, you know, this is a very different model for agriculture that we're setting up. I think in the past, you know, farmers could only access innovation that was global, meaning that ultimately that the innovation will go into a commodity market. What we're trying to do here is actually create closed loop systems where we're identifying and actually monetizing that value of what's inside the seed beyond field yields. And so it really requires us to put together these supply chains um, holistically to make sure that growers are not only being paid on commodity prices, but additional premiums also tied to the improved nutrient density and hopefully in the future sustainability benefits. So for all the other growers around the country, you know, I would say, If this is a product you want, um, let's talk, let's create that critical mass, and let's start getting the value chain to also react and change focus so that our farmers can grow a differentiated product.
3: And speaking of talking to get a hold of that, how can people that are interested get a hold of this product so they can see these impacts in their farms?
2: Yep. So we are, um, as I mentioned, launching on the East Coast um, for the next growing season in 2024. Um, the easiest way to get a hold of us is to go to our website. Um, we'll have a grower resource page up where growers can, uh, you know, get online, uh, get to know us us getting to know them, their operations, what type of beans they're looking for, their unique farming conditions. And let us take that time to find customized solutions for them and to give them a chance to feel and touch our beans. Uh, We do also, for our East Coast growers, have a field day coming up in August that they can learn more about through our website. And that's the best way for us to get some face time and for the growers to experience z products in the real world.
1: Mohan, well, it's been a pleasure for you to chat with our listeners today. What did we miss? What's something you want to share before we close out?
2: Well, I think for any grower that's really interested in this conversation, I really encourage them to, you know, join our mission to create a new type of agriculture. Um, we're really trying to uh, improve grower incomes, uh, align the supply chain, and really make U.S. soy the most sustainable and nutrient-dense in the world. And we can't do it without all the players uh, coming together. And so we really appreciate the opportunity to share our story and hopefully build more connections in the field.
1: Well, thanks for sharing it with us and our listeners.
2: Thank you very much, Tanner.
0: At Corteva Agriscience, we believe that when we work together, we grow together. We believe innovative agriculture solutions are found in the lab and in the field, applying real insights from farmers with our global R&D knowledge to create a strong suite of innovations across seed and crop protection. We believe in constantly challenging ourselves on how to bring all of our solutions together, giving farmers the tools to address today's needs and tomorrow's challenges. We believe in what we do because we believe in what farmers do, and together we thrive. Corteva Agriscience, keep growing.
1: Well, there you go, listeners. It's always fun to be on the forefront of conversations like that. Again, we'll be back tomorrow, but don't hesitate to reach out on social media and share ideas for conversations like the one we've just heard so we can continue to bring you great information. What do you say, Delaney, for today? Should we let the listeners go?
3: Let's let them go.